All right, turn to Matthew chapter 19. This is our last message on a kind of a short series, only four weeks, on State of the Union, what God is joining together. And uh, we're going to start in Matthew 19, and then if, if you want to put markers and, and flip to the other passages, we'll go to Genesis 1 and Ephesians 5, and if you're really good, Malachi 2 after that, all right? So if you want to put a marker at Genesis 1 or Ephesians 5, we'll be there later in the message. The passage that we're about to read in Matthew 19 is the most amazing passage on marriage, I believe, in the Bible. And that is saying a lot because Ephesians 5 is probably the one that most people turn to and read the whole thing. But Matthew 19 has Jesus himself answering a question about marriage and divorce. And the insight that he gives us is the insight that only God could give us as to what God's purpose for marriage was in the first place. Uh, The title of this message is that marriage is a mirror. And I did that so you would remember the points that we're going to talk about today. But I could have titled this message, The Importance of Marriage. I don't think that we value marriage like God values marriage. I don't think we understand about marriage what God intended for us to understand. And Jesus says it in Matthew 19. So, Matthew 19, verse 3. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now, if you notice in your Bible, the word just is italicized. What that means when you see that is that it's not in the original text. The translators added the word just to help us understand the text, but it's not in the original text. So let me read it to you the way they actually said it. Here's what they said. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And the word any in the Greek implies something even more than that, and the New American Standard translates it this way. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Is there any reason under the sun for a man to divorce his wife? That's the question to Jesus, the Son of God. Now, watch his answer. Verse 4. And he answered and said to them, Are you crazy? that's, That's kind of what he says when he starts with, Have you not read? Why would you ask me this question? He's saying, Have you not read the Bible? Where have you guys been all these years? Have you not read that He who made them at the beginning made them male and female? This is very important. When He made them in the beginning, He made them male and female. And said, for this reason. Okay, what reason? Well, we're going to get back to the reason in just a moment. But it's very important because this is the reason. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined... To his wife, notice the word joined, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, now watch this, this is Jesus talking, they are no longer two. Now, before we go on, let me ask you a question. Does Jesus have a tendency toward exaggeration? Now, that that should not have taken you that long. Does he exaggerate? Does he lie? Does he embellish the truth? Okay, this is Jesus. They're no longer two. They are not two anymore. They're not two, but one. One flesh. Therefore, what God has joined, same word as before, 
man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. What God has joined together, let not man separate. Same verse, here's what he says. When a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, God has joined them together. Because we've made up all sorts of excuses. Well, it was a judge. Well, it was this. Well, it was that. Jesus says, no, let me clarify. When a man leaves and he's joined to his wife, what God has joined don't let any man mess with that. This word join, has, uh, it means glued, like gluing two boards together. I thought it was interesting last week, uh, Governor Huckabee talked about how we're all warped. I, I, that's my theology as well. We're all warped. And he said it's like a, a, a woman who's warped and a man who's warped, and God joins us in marriage and, and puts these clamps like two boards, and if we'll stay clamped together, we'll straighten out. In the green room after the uh, message, James and Betty Robinson and Debbie and I were back there, and uh, James and I said, well, Governor Huckabee, we agree on several things except one thing. We agree that uh, James and I, I said, I agree that James and I were warped, but Debbie and Betty were straight. <laughs> and what God actually did was took two warped guys and joined them to two straight women, and that changed us. That's what fixed us. So, it's the same word here. It's glued, just like you glue boards together. What God has joined together, let not man separate. Now, that's his answer. They ask another question, and he gives another answer. But that's his answer. If they had not asked another question, we wouldn't have another answer. They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he said, what God has joined together, let not any man, is it lawful for a man, don't let a man separate it. That's his answer. Period. It's over. That's his answer. So then they go and ask another question. Look at the next question, verse 7. They said to him, well, why then did Moses command, notice the word command, to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted. Notice he corrects them. They said command, he said permitted permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Okay, here's what he's saying. Before sin came into the world, there was no divorce. From the beginning, that's not the way it was. The reason that Moses permitted you to do it is because you have a hard heart. That's why. And what he did was, he said, listen, if you're going to treat her in in an abusive way, it'd be better just to divorce her and let her go. But the only reason that Moses allowed it was because you have a hard heart. Now, once you understand something, they started with, is it lawful under the law? Remember, Jesus is full of grace and truth, John 1 says. So Jesus is grace. When the, when the Bible refers to Moses, it's referring to the law. The law came through Moses. So listen to this. The law permits you to get a divorce. Grace says what God has joined together, let not man separate. I don't know if you know this, but the righteousness that grace demands is more than the righteousness that the law demands. See, but people all the time say, well, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. Well, you're pretty righteous, Sam, if you're under grace. Because the law says don't commit adultery. Grace says don't lust. The law says don't murder. Grace says don't even hate. They say it goes farther. Are you all following me? Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not going to go to heaven. You know what the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was based on? The law. So it's the righteousness of grace. 
And in other words, the only way I can be right with God is by His grace. But His grace demands something in my heart also. It demands that I not have a hard heart. The reason the law allowed for divorce was because of the hardness of hearts. That's what the Bible says. Now listen to me. If you've you've gone through a divorce, I am not condemning you. If it weren't for Debbie, I would be divorced. I was thinking about this a while back. People make this statement. But for the grace of God. I understand that they're trying to attribute something to God. I understand that. And I do believe that God's grace helped us in our marriage. But when you make the statement, but for the grace of God, I'd be divorced too, someone who's been divorced might think, well, where was the grace of God for me? So I want to say this, but for Debbie, I'd be divorced. But for the grace of God and Debbie, because it takes two. And I did a lot of things that gave her reason to divorce me, but she didn't. And because she didn't, and because I then submitted to God's grace, we're still married. So I'm not trying to condemn you. I am trying, though, to show you the standard in the Word of God. Why did Jesus say, have you not read what is wrong with you? For asking me that question. Why did he get so upset about it? Well, he said, for this reason. We've got to go back and figure out what the reason is. Look back at verse 4 again. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason? Okay, what's the reason? Well, the reason is he made them in the beginning male and female. So let me give you point one, all right? Marriage is a mirror of God. Marriage is a mirror of God. Now, look at Genesis 1, and I'm going to explain this point. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man. Notice us is plural. He didn't say let me. He said let us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man. And that word man is mankind, not male. That is not the word for male. Let us make mankind in our plural image. According to our likeness, and let them, plural, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds, cattle, over all the earth, creeping thing, all that. Verse 27. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. It's very important to understand that what God created in His image was male and female. Not male. Listen to me, male is not the image of God. You can say, praise the Lord. (laughs) Male and female is the image of God. So, and that's the image. Now think about this. God said, I want to put a portrait of myself on the earth. I want to put a painting. I want to put a picture. I want to put an image, I want to put an exact replica of me on the earth. Now, you've got to catch this. And this is what he did. When God wanted to put a portrait of himself on the earth, he put a husband and a wife. Not a man. He put a husband and a wife. Listen to me closely. Marriage is the image of God on this earth. Marriage is. Let me tell you how. A few reasons. If uh, When a lost person comes to uh, my home and Debbie's home, when a lost person comes to our home, he should leave scratching his head. Because he sees something that he can't see except in a Christian couple. He sees God. Let me tell you why. Think about this. 
Let's say a couple comes to our home and they're lost, and when they leave, they have this conversation, something like this. You know, I can't explain this, but they were individuals. They were completely unique individuals, but they were one. They were in unity. Listen, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are complete individual persons, but they're one. See? So for God to create a replica of Himself, it had to be plural. Yet one. You understand? Listen, man and woman are not the image of God. Husband and wife are the image of God. Are you all following me? (laughs) Not man and woman. See, Adam and Eve weren't living in sin. They were married. God created a married couple. When God wanted to create something that looked like Himself, He created a married couple. Are you all following this? This is amazing to me. A husband and a wife. See, if He's going to create something that looks like Him because He's three in one, He's got to create that. And you might say, well, but He only created two. No, a successful marriage is not male and female. It's male, female, and God. It's three in one. It's the same thing. So, the lost person comes into our home and says, I just can't believe it. They were just completely separate, unique people. You know? She was nice. And he was, you know, okay. And she was sweet and he was sour. You know, all this. Okay. They were different. But I've never seen two people more unified. And here's another way a lost person can say. Now, think about this. A lost couple would drive away from our home and say, you know, the thing I can't figure out, they were equal, but he was the leader. Do you realize that the world does not understand that concept? They do not understand how people can be equal and one be the leader. Because if you're the leader, you're greater than in the world system, but not God's. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are completely equal. But the Father's the head. See, God did not make the male the head because he was mad at women. He did it because he put order in the home. He put order in everything he created. He didn't take equality out to put order in because in God, you can be equal and still have order. He put order in everything he created. He put order in the home. Same thing. But what's amazing is that the world has no concept of what I'm talking about right now. That you can be completely equal, and yet one can be the leader. So, a lost person comes into my home, looks at my marriage and says, I think I just saw God. This is why marriage is so important to God. This is why Jesus got so upset when they said, Is it okay if we divorce? Here's what He's saying. Do you think the Trinity's ever going to get a divorce, guys? Why would you ask me that question? The replica, the model of ourselves that we put on this earth was a husband and a wife, and you want to know if they can get a divorce. From the beginning, it was not so. But it came about because of the hardness of heart. Are y'all following that? Pretty strong passage, isn't it? Okay, so number one, marriage is the, a, a mirror of God. Number two, marriage is a mirror of Christ and the church. This message just gets worse. 
Ephesians, or better, Ephesians 5.31 says, For this reason, here it's quoting it again, A man shall leave his father and mother and be glued to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself, let the wife see she respects her husband. This kind of sums it up. But before this, you see, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, honor your husbands as you would the Lord. Same way you would the Lord. Okay. So, together, Debbie and I represent the Trinity. Individually, I represent Christ and she represents the church on this earth. That's her job. That's my job. So, I want you to think about this. We're talking about showing God to lost people. Let's say that you're witnessing men. Let me talk to just the men for a minute. Let's say you're talking to a, a friend of yours or a couple of friends. Well, it's just a friend that doesn't know the Lord. And you're trying to get him to give his life to the Lord. And so you decide, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll use the illustration the Bible uses. Uh, listen, uh, Joe, if you give your life to Jesus, uh, Jesus is going to treat you just like I treat my wife. Would you like to be saved? What's Joe going to say? I don't want to be treated like dirt. Jesus going to treat me like you treat your wife? I don't want to be laughed about and talked about behind my back. Put down and criticized. No, I don't want that. Or would he say something like this? He's going to treat me like you treat your wife? He's going to honor me. He's going to respect me. He's going to love me no matter what. He's going to provide for me. He's going to protect me. He's going to care for me. Yes! I would love to get saved. This is why Jesus got so upset when they asked the question. Because He said, you don't even understand. Not only does it represent the Trinity, it represents me and the church. And you want to divorce them. Ladies, let me talk to you. You're witnessing to a friend of yours, and you say, she says, you know, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to talk to God. So you say, oh, let me use the illustrations in the Bible. The way you talk to God is the same way that I talk to my husband. That's the way you talk to God. Oh, I can cuss him out? <laughs> no. With honor. With respect, with compassion. Marriage is more important than we think. It's the replica, it's the image of God on the earth, and it's the painting, the portrait of Christ and the church. And here's the third thing that it's a mirror of. Uh, marriage is a mirror of covenant. I'm going to read a verse out of Malachi for you, but again, let me set it up for you. In Malachi, God is telling the people of Israel, I'm not pleased with your worship. And I'm not going to accept your offerings either, by the way. So they respond with, well, why not? And that's where we pick it up. They're asking, why aren't you going to accept our offerings and our worship? Malachi 2.14, yet you say, for what reason? Why aren't you going to? Here's the answer. Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. By covenant. Those of you who are married, did you know that you entered into a covenant? 
when you got married? And did you know that there were witnesses to your covenant? And did you know that one of those witnesses was God? And did you know that God might not be accepting your offerings because of the way you're treating the wife of your covenant? As a matter of fact, the New Testament backs this up. First Peter, it says to the men, if you'd like for your prayers to be heard, then live with your wife with an understanding heart. By the way, it doesn't say that you have to understand her because you're not going to do that. <laughs> Just let you know that's not going to happen. But you live with an understanding heart. Otherwise, your prayers aren't answered. You can quit praying for your business deals. You can quit praying for all the things you're praying about. If you're treating your wife wrong, you're not going to get your prayers answered. This is important to God. You entered into a covenant. By the way, I I might, might as well just remind you of the covenant that you said. Most of you said something like this. For better or for worse. For richer or for poorer. In health and in... Yeah. And then you just wouldn't shut up. You went on and said, Till death do us part. (laughs) That's the deal you made. But here's why this is so important. We're witnessing again to lost people. We're telling people about God. And we say, God wants to enter into a covenant with you. And so they say to us, What's a covenant? Well, uh, it's like marriage. What are they going to say? You mean i got a 50-50 chance? See, we've messed it up. We have broken the mirror. We are showing a dirty and a distorted image of God when God created a husband and a wife to show His image to the world that would love each other that would be committed to each other no matter what, that would make a covenant and would stick to the covenant. And it's, it's, it's the new covenant. It's not the old covenant. You understand that? Here, here's the old covenant. If you never heard a, a, just a synopsis, here's the old covenant. God said to Israel, uh, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide for you, I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to bless you. Basically those three things. I'm going to provide for you, protect you, and bless you. That's, that's my part. And Israel said, sounds good. What's our part? God said, hmm. I mean, your part, um, you have to be perfect. Now, I don't know if you've read it, but that's the old covenant. Uh, you, can, you can't lie. You can't steal. You can't covet. You can't commit adultery. You have to honor your parents. You have to remember the Sabbath. You can't have any other gods for me. You can't have any idols. Um, and you have to do all of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. <laughs> that's the law. I don't know if you've read it lately. You probably fudge a little when you're reading through your Bible when you get to those books. But if you read through there, there's a whole chapter on what you have to do if you get a scab. I think the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had so much fun making up Leviticus numbers and Deuteronomy. Hey, hey, let, let's say if, they, if this happens and they have to wait three days. No, let's say seven. Oh, yes, let's put seven. <laughs> They'll never be able to do this. He said, well, why would God do that? Well, one is because His standard is perfection, and He put all the intricacies of perfection in there so that we would finally come to Him and say, I can't do this! And He says, that's what I've been waiting for. Because I never wanted to have a relationship based on law. I wanted to have a relationship based on love. So, 
God said to Israel, uh, your part, um, you have to be perfect. Israel said, okay. <laughs> we agree. We'll be perfect. We'll keep the whole law. You just kill us if we don't. That's what they said. May a curse come on us and our children if we don't keep every part of this law. But that's not the covenant marriage is based on. It's the new covenant. Let me tell you what the new covenant is. God went to Israel and said, listen, um, we're going to make a new covenant. Y'all didn't do so well with the first one. <laughs> Here's my part. My part is I'm going to provide for you, I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to tell you what your part is. You know what? I think I'll just do your part too. That's the new covenant. If you've never heard that before, you need to understand Jesus did your part for you. Because you couldn't do it. He fulfilled the law. Perfect. You say, well, how do I get in on this covenant? You should believe. It's great. It's just like the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham was asleep. He was asleep when, when, when God made the covenant with him. God didn't need him. He just needed him to believe. That's what Romans says. Just like Abraham believed and it was counted him for righteousness. Are you all following me? The Bible says, I am in Christ. The Father made the covenant with the Son. That's the new covenant. Uh, we made covenants with our kids. When they're, if you have younger kids, you might want to do this. When they're 10 and 13, we take them on an overnight trip. For the boys, I took the boys, Debbie took our daughter. We went through the facts of life, talked to them about things, talked to them about marriage, things like that. And then we made a covenant when they were 13. We bought each of them a ring. We said, here's the covenant we're making with you. And I explained to them that a covenant has parts to it. Each, each part, each person has a part. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray with you about your mate. When you get to that age, I'm going to help you make the right decision. And I don't have the right to say yes, but I have the right to say no to anyone. You need to understand that because I'm not going to pick your mate for you. You got you got to like them, you know, for the rest of your life. So you can pick them, but you pick the wrong one. I'm saying no. I want you to know that. And I, my part is, I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to help you make the most important decision of your life, other than accepting Jesus as your savior. But I'm also going to do some other things for you as a part of this covenant, this agreement. Any any cost with the wedding, I'll take care of. Even if you're the son, but if there needs to be additional things, I'll take care of it. I'll pay for your honeymoon. And I'll pay for the down payment and all the closing costs for your first house. And that's a lot of money because I've already done it once. <laughs> I was stupid back then. That <laughs> was a joy to do it. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I said, now that, that's my part. I said, you know what your part is? I said, your part is that you'll let me pray with you about your spouse. That you will not choose a spouse that I do not approve of. That you'll keep me informed all through your dating life with what's going on. That you'll never lie to me. That you'll always be honest with me. That you'll keep yourself pure until the day you get married. And that's your part. And then I said, I remember my first son, Josh, I said to him, Now, I've got a part and you've got a part. And I said, my part's going to be a lot of money, too. Well, I want to ask you a question. What do you think that I'm going to do if you don't keep your part of the covenant? My 13-year-old son sat there for a moment and he went, you'll keep your part. 
I was trying to fool him. <laughs> but he knew me too well. I said, you're right, son. It's because I want you to understand something. I don't care what you do. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will always be my son. I will always protect you. I will always provide for you. And I will always bless you. Always. No matter what you do. And I said, I want you to understand something else. Even if you ever walked away from God, and I hope you never do, He'll never walk away from you. Never. Listen to me. I can't tell you how many times I've broken the covenant since I've gotten saved. And you have too. But God's never broken it. That's what marriage is. Marriage is, even if you don't do the right thing, I will. Even if you don't keep your part of the covenant, I will. And that's why the world looks at a godly marriage and says, I want to know God. Because marriage is the image of God on this earth. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's God saying to you today? Again, I want to share with you that any time we do a a series on marriage, and there are people in the congregation that have had a failed marriage, the enemy always tries to put condemnation on you. Don't, Don't feel that. Don't feel that. If there was a failure in your past... It's because there was, there's sin in the world. We live in a fallen world. And there are a lot, a lot of failures in my past as all, also as well. So don't feel condemnation. But you need to understand, if you're in a marriage now or you're going looking to get remarried, you need to understand what God's portrait of marriage is. God designed marriage to represent Him on this earth. And He designed it to be a blessing to us. But we've got to do it His way. We can't let hardness come into our hearts. So I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we'll stand. As soon as we stand up, you just stand up and you just step out and come all in one motion. Just come to the front, and there will be someone here to pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll draw every person that needs any type of prayer or ministry today. In Jesus' name, amen.